we're not avoiding stress. We're changing our lens at how we look at stress so we can go into it with a solution-oriented mindset and be more productive and efficient. Hold your station, this education is relevant. The motivation through conversation is evident. We're talking spiritual body, mind, development. This is the manhood experiment. The manhood What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Manhood Experiment. This is your boy, Jason. Today, we are going to be talking about how we can stop stress from hijacking our manhood, our energy, altering our digestion, and why it's likely that your testosterone levels are half of those of your father and significantly less than your grandfather. But let's bring in the fellas. What's going on, guys? We got big dreams in the house. T-Rex, what's up? Yo, yo, big dreams in the house. Watch your mouth. How y'all feeling, man? What's up, T? I'm doing good. Just trying to wake up this Saturday morning. <laughs> man, before we jump in, I really will say it feels great to have like a team that keep kind of keeps you accountable and it keeps you in that check-in and keeps you like, all right, I gotta show up, I gotta check in, I gotta let them know what's going on. So I appreciate both of y'all for being that. Uh, my accountability partners, man. I appreciate that. Back to you, Jay. Lead the way. What are we talking about today, brother? No, we need it. That's that's real. I think we need that accountability, that purpose, uh, and just having something to move forward with. You know, sometimes it can feel a little stressful to have deadlines, but you know, without those positive stressors, I don't think anything would really get done that has any meaning or purpose. Uh, and that's what I want to talk about today: is provide us with some tactical tools of how we can flip stress to the upside, change our perception with some things and, you know, talk about a few studies that are getting a lot of popularity in regards to the decline in men's testosterone, which is, you know, the energy hormone, that survival hunting hormone that allows us to reproduce and, and show up big time, big time situations and how stress is tied into our energy and our digestion. But I want to start about, mm. you know, talking about this uh, and I'll tie it into, you know, a story that's going on in my life right now. But, you know, a lot of the misconceptions that come about when we talk about stress, we know, you know, how stress can affect our energy, digestion, muscle fulfillment. We think about some of these bigger stressors that they get overlooked, like stimulation. We got chemical stimulation and overstimulated with lights that are keeping us up late and prevent us getting into, you know, to deep sleep. But reality is, you know, stress comes in many shapes and sizes. And you'll get people that are saying, you know, like, you know, just stop stressing or you're stressing too much. But that has to be reframed in thinking about the value of what stress actually is and just getting some clarity on that, you know? And, and some people are like, hey, you can have my stress. But hear me out. What I'm trying to say here is I think we all can do a better job with improving our relationship with stress. There's been research showing, you know, the upside uh, of stress. Your favorite books wouldn't have got written without deadlines. Podcasts wouldn't have got started. New businesses or homes might never come to fruition because it's the reality is we do perform better under stress, but there's a fine line when these stressors can be so much that they're debilitating. And we've probably heard that term fight or flight. And what's getting a lot more attention lately is fight, flight, or freeze. Like those are the real big terms when we talk about our sympathetic nervous system. So you have our sympathetic and our parasympathetic, which is, you know, rest and digest. And we have to be able to, to separate those two. And I want to provide you guys, you know, with some, some tools of how we can 
put a little more emphasis in the rest and digest side, that parasympathetic that's rejuvenating. So we can take those stressful situations, you know, and flip them into a positive, you know, so a study that's got a lot of attention is talking about men and the decline of testosterone and a big link in that. And I'll just give you guys some statistics. They say that, and we'll go back to starting in the, it says the sixties, like a 70 year old man in the sixties, has something like 20% more testosterone than a man in his 20s now. And so the big factors they're tying to this, a lot of people are trying to associate lifestyle factors, which probably play a role. But a lot of it is like your BMI and just your weight, you know, carrying around extra weight and these food choices, lack of good quality rest and rejuvenation is tied in there. And with that ties real life factors, not just about testosterone building muscle, but infertility we think that wow population must you know must must be growing and growing and growing and believe it or not infertility has become a bigger issue than ever and with that you know men are relying so much more on chemical substances to be able to you know come in and fill in these different gaps so there's things that we can do to be able to take control so just to yeah what's up just to clarify for the listeners so men now they have a lot lower testosterone than men in the 60s. Yeah. And that is from lifestyle, it's from nutrition, and that is also leading to a lot of infertility as well too. Is yeah. that what the study is, is, is about? Yeah, and it's it's just not the 60s. This what the study shows is it takes it breaks down these 20 year periods. So every two decades it's showing how there has been a continuous residual decline in men's testosterone. And with that is this mm. decline in energy and people relying more on you know, the crutches of chemicals and some of these pharmaceutical, you know, exogenous forms of testosterone are helpful in certain times and places or different medications for acute conditions. But there are so many lifestyle factors that I want to talk about that we can just take control of and different fundamentals to be able to flip that, you know, around. But we can't rely and just wait on someone coming to save us. This is something that we have to be able to tap into our own oxygen here to be able to show up. Are you telling me that they can actually have um, medical ways of inducing testosterone to help you increase your testosterone now? But then there's also ways that we can also trigger these things? Yeah. For those of you who don't know, exogenous testosterone, so that means like testosterone hormone replacement therapy is at an all-time high. And I mean, that makes sense that it's being utilized more. But what's happening is it's glorified to you know to have testosterone and have all this muscle and there's lifestyle factors that are preventing people from thriving if you could think about it that way and so people are just going to their doctor they're doing you know a testosterone test and this is what i'm talking about with the statistics like if you go in and test your testosterone now and you check out your free or total testosterone it's significantly lower and i'm talking like over 50 percent lower of what it was even 20 years ago and so that leaves men just going in and relying on testosterone replacement therapy, which sounds okay to some people. But when you're doing that, there's a lot of repercussions mm. that come along with that because, you know, there's a likelihood that you could be shutting down your infertility. There's side effects like male pattern baldness. There's different homo- hormonal side effects. There's things that are related to coronary heart disease. And it's glamorized because a lot of people are making money mm. off this industry. Uh, and we don't want to have to rely on that you know, as working as a health coach and nutritionist working with people, I'm always going to try to put 
as many lifestyle factors. Make sure you're covering those fundamentals as fast as possible or make that a bigger priority. So a lot of this comes with what I'm going to talk about today is mm-hmm. like, what are the things we do first? How can we improve and play our cards the best that we can? I talk about that a lot because stress is going to show up in situational stress, trauma, emergencies, accidents, big time life events, things that we can't always plan for. But the biggest stress that's causing these degenerative diseases and messing with us the most tends to be chronic stress of people just living under this stressful state, which we have to realize we have some control and our perception to stress. And here's an example. You know, you have people, mm. right? And here's just an example of per, you know, perception. If we're stuck in the cold and we're, we're outside, we forgot our jacket, we can be miserable. That's all we're thinking about is how cold we are. Yet you have another industry that's making a ton of money off of charging people to freeze themselves with cryotherapy or selling ice baths because they're training themselves to build this type of discipline or taking cold showers. Same thing goes with exercise. Mm. The idea of doing some sort of physical labor, like carrying something up a hill, you know, like our, our grandparents claimed that, you know, they walk uphill both ways that made them that's tougher. But now it's like we have so many things to make life easier. We got remote controls for everything. Yet that's a stressor for some people. And then we have people paying for gym memberships, a lot of people to have a coach go train them and push them through different exercises. And that same stress has a positive influence when we look at it as a stimulus to make us stronger and we expose ourselves to these short-term stressors. But Mm -hmm. what happens with our perception when we think we're out of control, this type of stress, it creates this lack of control, this cycle that affects, you know, our whole, a whole nervous system and change the chemical reaction in our body. If we're too stressed, then we're in this fight or flight or freeze mode. And what's not happening then is the positive sides of things that are happening with rejuvenation, um, Mm -hmm. our rest and digest, that parasympathetic of when we're actually, you know, recovering. So to touch really quick on the perception thing. So important. Yeah, think about the quote of too blessed to be stressed. We have to think about different times in life of Mm -hmm. why we're thankful for that stress that we have. In the moment, it can seem overwhelming. It can seem debilitating. But we have to think about, you know, those opportunities that a lot of people aren't even blessed with to have the stress of work or a deadline or a new challenge or the ability to start a podcast and reach Mm -hmm. people and spread a message. So a lot there. I want to touch on some more things. But, you know, first of all, I want to kick it back over to you guys. Can you guys think of some examples of good stress? You know, maybe good stress that... It showed up in the form of bad stress at first. Yeah, man. I would say good stress. One good stress grows you for one. Good stress don't always feel good when you win it. I always sometimes go back to this term I call the survival mentality. Because when you're in it, you know, you're trying to figure out every method of getting out of it. And sometimes you can't even think of the solution at that time. You're just thinking about the very next problem that you have to solve. And what happened for me during this time, I had my nephews I was watching, basically helping to raise them. I had to move back to the house. It's during the transition part of life when I was young. I was in my 20s. Out of school, had to move back in the house. I tried to do the bachelor thing for myself. The jobs weren't making it happen that I was taking on. So recoup, moved. I got out of my situation. But in this situation, I took on a more humble 
situation. I was very humble because in this two bedroom apartment, there was my sister, there was her, my sister's uh, baby daddy. I had my two nephews all in a two bedroom apartment. If you can imagine, that's three adults <laughs> and two kids, five people occupying this small space. So being able to handle the stressors that come with that and the commute to work was an hour there, uh, walk to the bus station, bus station to the metro, metro in an hour to work, get off the metro, walk 15 minutes to your actual uh, place of you know work. Like these things built a hustle in me to where I'm like, what you mean? 30 minutes to work, man, that's a blessing. <laughs> so it changed my perception of what yeah. difficult was and what difficult is. And then when I go through certain difficult situations now, I'm like, I've been through worse. I can maintain this. I can handle this stress because I've had stresses before that were in this situation right here. You would say they were amplified. You would They would be a big thing for somebody else. And even then, I have to watch myself with comparing what I can take on with the stresses that I may um, be able to manage for my family. So that's another thing that I'm still always balancing. Just because I can do it doesn't mean everybody's been through it. So I'm still trying to, and that's another, maybe that's another topic right there. But just managing stress in that situation allowed me to be stronger to handle other situations. And then it gave me the push to say, there's got to be more out there. So, you know, when an opportunity came for me and my wife to come out here to California from the East Coast, you know, we had that East Coast mentality already in us. So when we came over here, we were like, oh, it's light work. Everybody's nice. It's opportunity out here. When we ask a question, people are like, yeah, let me show you how to do it. I'm like, is that easy? Oh, my gosh. This is a whole different environment. We're going to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you feel like a, a shark in a fish tank, you know? <laughs> so that's the kind of mentality it, it built for us coming from a different environment and then coming out here to sunny, you know, San Diego. We're like, oh, yeah, we could do this. Yeah, It, it built all type of efficacy. I like that word to you, this efficacy of that can do attitude based on prior stress that we that we were in and I feel like we've overcame. Yeah. That was my point. Uh T, what you what you got, man? You ever been in a situation yeah, where so stress really made you better or stress was hard? What was it? What happened? Yeah, so really really quick, I just remember that Eminem eight mile in eight mile and where he was in the beginning of the movie, he was uh, on stage and he's can't take the pressure. He's vomiting and uh, coming down to the end in, of the movie where he goes and raps against uh, Papa Doc. And it was just such a beautiful example of how he reframed that stress and his lyrics mm-hmm. of the main soundtrack. Lose yourself in the moment. You got one shot, one opportunity to seize every, seize the moment. And that for me represents uh, in, a, in a movie, it represents... A man who was who couldn't, you know, who was really stressed around the crowd and the anticipation and stuff. And in the end, Anxiety. you know, he just found his, yeah, found himself, you know. And uh, that song was playing in my head recently. I had this immigration interview to to get my green card. And that, of all songs, that song was playing. You got one <laughs> shot of this. Lose yourself yeah. in the moment. And that helped me. That level of stress for me before yes, it was... Yeah, before uh, a couple of weeks before, I was just like feeling, oh man, this is stressful for me. I, I I'm not feeling good. It's like 
affecting me. It's like I'm feeling tight in my body. It, it's making me uh, a little bit not getting proper sleep. But the and this is what Jay was saying, like the reframing of things it, that helped me reframe is just like the preparation, getting uh, getting organized with my time and not taking things for granted, being disciplined about it, just reframing, just like how Eminem reframed his situation. I felt um, in that moment, the mm-hmm. last week, couple of weeks coming down to that immigration interview I did, I was able to reframe that and had so much less stress going in into that and good stress where I was disciplined, uh, energized. But anyways, that's my story. No, I dig it, man. No, no, no. That's man, I got the song in my head right now. Like that. I got it all in my head right now. And that's the one of the best build ups ever. Yeah, I think we gotta we gotta keep that up you know in our head. And you know, something that that I think plays into that, this is a quote. I don't know if it's a quote or I just came up with this idea as I was looking into this, because I'm always taking notes on like, you know, how do you stay more resilient? And what one person views as stress, another person views as fuel. And I think it's part of the idea of just becoming anti-fragile. Before we continue, we need your help. We'd like to reach more like-minded people just like you and share our knowledge on personal growth, health, and success. So can you do us a favor and in your podcast app, hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star review and leave us an encouraging comment. Do it right now while you listen to this episode. That will help us know you're listening and that you care. And that little action will help us reach more folks. Now back to our show. Maybe some of you heard of Anti-Fragile. I read this book. Anti-Fragile is not about meaning that your box is a little bit tougher and, and you can drop it. You know, you see these fragile stickers that you see when you get deliveries. What Anti-Fragile means is that, no, throw this box around, drop kick this box, and I'm going to get stronger. And it's something I'm going to leave you guys with one of the tools when we get to our experiment is the idea of ohms, obstacles make me stronger. And we have to seek those out. We have to seek those big stage moments out like Eminem and Mom Spaghetti and getting up there because that is what is going to get us battle tested and ready um, <laughs> to be able to take on those big moments. And an example of like in my life right now, and this may seem minor, but I think this is the type of challenges that I seek out to fuel me. You know, I'm doing this thing of trying to run a 400 meter dash, you know, under a minute. And I've done it before, so I know it's possible. But now I'm a a little bit more of an advanced age. It's not as much of a given. And it's one of the most grueling (laughs) track and field races to do. It's run around a track full speed. So it's a sprint that the human body cannot run at full speed for a minute. And I don't know for any of you out there that have have tried running it. It's very humbling. And so I'm training for it. And it's something that I choose to do. (laughs) Yeah, have you ran it? Dreams, you were, you were ran a 400-meter dash? You know, right. I, yeah, I ran track in high school, man. I ran yeah. track in uh, high school and middle school. What'd you and run? And 400 was, that race gave me so much anxiety. Yep. So I ran 100. I ran 200. I did long jump. I was one of maybe four sprinters on the team. So we basically ran everything. Yeah. <laughs> Every Army We ran. <laughs> big dreams in it. And basically throw me in again i was like okay back up like man we gotta rotate or something do a long distance event or something before y'all do this next sprint (laughs) yeah but yeah um four by one was my favorite run because it was a team the the team Mm -hmm. event so everybody got to do their share but that 400 was grueling i remember when i first ran 400 it was a 114 
and mm-hmm. in high school I and mean, in middle school that was slow you know mm-hmm. because i had guys i've learned i learned that guys are running it in like 58 seconds and then running in 56 seconds and i was like mm-hmm. oh that's possible mm-hmm. i was like okay well what's going on why am i taking so long to do this and after i finally completed my first 400 i ran on like 114 the next time i ran it, it was like 110 and it was just so difficult just to get a second off yeah. it started creating this anxiety for me like every time i run this race i feel like i'm about to throw up at the end i felt mm-hmm. so dehydrated and my gut was turning and seeing spots after running that race because it's hard to maintain that speed and that momentum not to and mental stress of not quitting and finishing strong like yep. for that long of a time oh, like yeah. it doesn't seem like that long you could do anything else for a minute and you're like that was easy but sprinting trying to maintain that for a minute oh my gosh ET, yeah i'm with you so that's <laughs> and that's the thing race. that i think is it's really appealing about that is that you can't do anything for a minute it's grueling to be able to have that speed endurance the training that goes along with it but that is something that having something that you're always working towards, there's an excitement. Like you said, that anxiety is a real thing. When I go to the track, I know I'm going to put in the workouts to get there and I'm determined to do it. Like there's no way that I'm not going to do it, but that's a positive stressor. And there's so many different examples we can think about, like committing to a deadline again to you know start a business or save up a certain amount and show up. Those things really do make us, you know, make us stronger. And I think it's important to put those into place because that's like that muscle that we're training. What are you saying, Big, Big Dreams? You got something? Yeah, bro. I'll add on to that. I remember one race, one race in particular that that helped change perception for me. I was going against this other kid, and we were the only two sprinters for the 400. It was me against him. And I just got my race down to a 58 second, like just a 58 seconds, my personal best, the practice before this race. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm about to break this joint out. So we start the race. We're going. And this kid's booking. Like, he's going all the way. And I'm like, dang. Like, what I thought I prepared for may not be what I need to win this race. So as we're running, you know, I'm running my race, keeping my pace, trying to make sure I'm at this point by this speed. I'm at 60% by this speed. I'm running 80 for this. Like, I'm calculating what I need to do for each turn in the race. If you ever ran a 400 you kind of break it down by four mm-hmm. sections. The curves, you run run speed. The straightaway, you run run speed. And the next curve, you run one speed until you get down to your final 100 meters. And that's kind of how you break your race down in your mind if you ever ran this race. So this kid, he takes off. Like probably within 20 seconds of the race, he's already like going towards like his last 200. I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck? <laughs> what is this dude yeah. on? I was like, is he really going to finish this race like this? Is he one of these Olympic, you know, (laughs) people we just see? And what happens on his third turn, he burns out. Like the monkey finally caught his back. So I'm still running my race. And um, this is what they call chasing somebody down. So after a while, I catch him on the last 100 meters and he's winded, like Mm -hmm. done. And I can tell. I'm like, oh, I'm about to beat him. I'm about to catch him. So I finally take this race. I get down to the last 100 meters, probably about three steps in, boom, pass him, blowing him out. I beat him with the gap of maybe 15, 20, 
20 feet (laughs) because he was just gassed out and he wasn't running the race that was prepared for him. And me by just keeping that mental awareness of let me finish because it's only two of us. He can beat me by me just saying he's too far ahead of me right now because I'm on a curve and he's definitely past that straightaway on his third curve or third breakdown of this 400 meters. He's at 300 meters. He's got 100 meters to go. I could give up now or I could run my race. Mm-hmm. And by me running my race, I was able to just prove to myself, like, you just can't stop by the way things look right now. Because yeah. perception is kind of based on your own experience. And if you know that you've done this race before in a certain time frame, you know, it gave me the, effic- the efficacy. I love that word, man. To just keep going and finish strong. And that was something I would never forget. Some people may it. look like they're just blowing you out of the water, but you got to run your race. Oh, I love that. You know, even if that race makes you feel like you're going to just blow chunks <laughs> every time. <Yeah. laughs> I think that's hot. You know, I think you got to listen to that voice in your head and, and remember the bias of like following through, finishing your plan. And like stress is going to be this little voice that is going to come in your head at times and try to talk you into taking a break and taking it easy and sticking with the comfort zone and justifying reasons why you should stop. And that's where we override. And we, the bias for growth is such an important thing when it comes to pushing through with stress. I know we're talking about like these positive stressors and I want to talk about, you know, the effect that this actually has on our body and how we can change it. So just briefly on that, when we think about too much stress, how it can build up and add up, if we have too much stress, it can multiply and it multiplies more when we feel like we're out of control and then we can kind of have a bias for negativity. The number one thing when it comes to all these different stressors, Mm -hmm. like your hierarchy of needs, if they're out of order and you don't have your survival, the things that you actually need, you're going to be in worry mode. And hopefully before you get to that point, you have the stress to be able to show up and follow through with a big game plan to get you out of there. But let's talk about what is the correlation of Mm -hmm. stress on our manhood and our health. So we know that chronic stress changes the chemical reaction in the body. Just think about the easiest thing is stress, how it affects cortisol and blood pressure. When we're stressed, we're anxious, our hearts start beating out of our chest. And people that tend to be more stressed out are more likely to have different heart and cardiac conditions that can lead to, you know, lead to heart disease or so on. So think about this common mm. scenario, and it might sound a little extreme, but see how much you can relate. Common scenario might be a poor night's sleep, you have increased stress, you're kind of in a hurry from the morning, then you find your energy's decreased because you're, you're drained, your clarity and your creativity's suffering. And all this leads to you know, less planning, more impulses for comfort and safety throughout the day. And that heightened state of fight or flight or freeze hits the brakes on your parasympathetic nervous system. That's that rest and digest. And that leads to inhibited digestive functions and distress, which is directly related to your neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin. So there's the tie-in right there from a poor night's sleep, which is a major form of stress, how it can just affect our ability to make good decisions, listen to that bias to tell us to do positive things. And a way to sum that up is mismanaged stress, you know, keeps us in our, our sympathetic nervous system, that fight, flight, or freeze. And so therefore, we want to prepare ourselves and we can mitigate stress as much as possible by taking care of those fundamentals of managing stress, make sure that you're getting decent quality sleep, you're putting good fuel in your body. And as a nutritionist, 
I see so many digestive issues over the last decade. And research has shown mainly based off a lot of surveys because it's hard to, to show this. And I'll, I'll reference some of the notes, you know, the studies and the, the notes. But digestive issues are at an all-time high and people don't talk about it as much. And a lot of that is when we have a form of stress and anxiety, our whole digestive system works at such a lower level. And then we create this fear and association to eating different foods. Like we have more autoimmune conditions more than ever. People that have IBS, like irritable bowel syndrome, all these things are at an all-time high. And part of that is the stressors that we have, situational stressors and all this extra you know, stimulation. And so that's how stress hijacks our metabolic and our endocrine <clears throat> system, literally down to our blood sugar. So it sounds extreme, but many of us, and I say us, are flirting with the scenario that I just mentioned, or maybe it's become a lot of people's normal. So we got to make that shift by taking control and making sure that it isn't getting out of whack all the time. We're not missing things like our sleep because getting six hours or less of sleep, and I don't want to stress you guys out more, but it's like having jet lag. You're not going to make those positive decisions. Your cravings are going to be off and so on. And so what I want to leave you guys with is the reminder about the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are, again, taking care of our stress, sleep, you know, energy in a positive way. We seek out stressors. We try to change our perception of stress as much as we can. And that can be done with mindfulness. And as little, and there's studies that reference as little as five-minute focus meditations, and that's just focusing on your breathing. So don't get overwhelmed with what you need to do, but just focusing on your breath, inhale, and exhale can bring your blood pressure down, your systolic blood pressure by 20 points in less than five minutes. Also is shown to help lower cortisol expand our area of focus so we're not so much so constricted. And we can start to look at some of these opportunities as gratitude and that can shift your energy and take you in more of an upward cycle of looking for positive solutions. Again, we're not avoiding stress we're changing our lens at how we look at stress so we can go into it with a solution-oriented mindset and be more productive and efficient mm. if you want to think about that. You're taking, you're handling stress on your own terms a little bit more. So reframing it, the better we take care of our mm. fundamentals and not rely on you know, just extra stimulants, we can set ourselves up to handle and tolerate stress a lot better. I, what do you think, T-Rex? Yeah, I, I love all those points. And something came to mind, a practice I, I do is I don't wait. Uh, and, and this is very recent. I've been gone into the routine of getting up, getting my uh, gratitude, my meditation, my affirmation, my stretching and all that stuff. I have that morning routine foundation. And the idea came to me is like, don't wait till you get stressed then to do these things. It's like mm -hmm. build a routine, build a practice every single day. And then when you get the stress, it's just like, oh, you, you're better prepared to handle the stress, the bad stresses, and you already have this routine. So I, I think a lot of times what people do is when they're stressed, now they're trying to remedy it. But that starts with having a foundation and consistency every single day. Oh, That's I love very it. true. I think to that point, me and my wife have two different skill sets. The skill set that I gained, I always say because we're from different sides of the tracks, right? So the skill set that I gained from not being able to necessarily or being in that survival mentality, I'm a great problem solver. Like reactively, I'm a great problem solver. You put me in any situation and I'll get out eventually, right? Her benefit is she's a great planner. She's always had a stability, right? 
So depending on where you grew up or where you come from, you might have a skill set that you need to develop, either become a better problem solver or a better planner. I like that. And like you were saying, having that routine and that planning and planning ahead, you won't have to rely on being such a great problem solver. You can actually use your problem solving skills that you've perfected based on your own conditioning, your own environment that you came from less. You don't have to rely on it. In that situation, you'll be less stressed overall by becoming a better planner. And if something does happen, you still have that back pocket, like confidence. I could take this on, Mm -hmm. you know, because I already am a good problem solver, but I don't have to rely on that skill set. You can spread yourself out a bit more and have a more positive mindset and less stressful environment based on routine and practicing habits. I like that a lot too. Yep. And we got to associate, it's like going to the gym and train our muscles. Like I say, you you put that into place and you realize how much more prepared you're going to be in those scenarios where you're just bigger than those problems and you eat them up because you seek them out and they charge you up like Pac-Man. You're going after those problems, eating that stress out. And so, I mean, that plays into <laughs> what I'm going to leave you guys with for the experiments. I'm excited because I think there's a lot of value in here. It's a reminder for me to implement the same thing here. But this is a two-part experiment. You guys got the daily double, the big bonus here. Uh, so part one is I want you guys to think about <laughs> over the next week, as soon as it comes, it comes to you today. When you experience stress next time, I want you to pause in the moment before that stimulus and that response and ask yourself, what is your default reaction right now? Fight, flight, freeze. Are you freezing in that action or paralyzed by analysis? Or are you pursuing that as a challenge? So any any stress, like maybe something that falls in your desk or you get an email, something you need to take right away. Fight, flight, freeze, pursue, or pursue as a challenge. And that that fight or flight is probably not the best answer, but if we pause, we can think about how we can energize and look at this as a challenge. So that simple perception switch, that reframe I want to challenge you guys with and how we can flip that into a challenge. And then think about it as a gift because a lot of people are not blessed with these types of challenges. And I want you to remember that ohm, obstacles make me stronger. Like literally, we pursue and seek out obstacles because they make us stronger. And then I'm going to drop a quote on you from the firewalker himself, Mr. Tony Robbins. Life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. And when you can think about that, I know easier said than done, you, you realize like these are the little things, the, the areas that I'm bouncing off to get stronger you know, and keep moving forward. Part two of the challenge is scheduling and renewal, recovery time. And I get it. It can be tough. You got Maybe you got a new children or a new job or life is feeling chaotic. But in little as five minutes, we can really make a big you know, change here. As T-Rex is saying, planning that out in the morning, that peaceful time. When I can wake up earlier and just get started with this focused mental clarity, I'm going to be so much I'm going to have so much more clarity throughout the day. So by scheduling activities that activate your parasympathetic system, that's like the area that's going to help with rest, restoring, recovering, digesting. You can do that with a strong mindful practice, and that's going to help you influence that perception of stress and get you out of that helplessness feeling to a challenging state that has improved your you know, effect on your whole physiology. So I know time is a commodity, but five minutes of breathing, guided meditations, planning mm-hmm. out your healthy habits, or even like a yoga routine, could be your best investment. So those are the experiments that I want to leave you guys with. Fellas, do you guys have anything else to, to say? I would add 
take a moment to look up some of the information that Jay's talking about as far as the autonomic nervous system. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Autonomic. Um, and this breakdown of having, like you said, yeah, autonomic, excuse me, autonomic nervous system and a breakdown of having the sympathetic nervous functions and then the parasympathetic nervous system. Because those two pieces, if you really understand, you know, the term adrenaline and cortisol, which happens in flight, or flight, fight or flight, you can start to understand why you may respond to certain things the way you do. And then that can give you an even better breakdown. Not to distract you from the experiment, but to just give you even more of a connection to this podcast because we want to educate you, but we want you also to kind of be curious enough to do some of this research and check us, fact check us, check it out for yourself and see what you also gain. That way you can also be informed in different ways. We always say trust and verify, right? Yeah. But back to the experiments one more time, Jay. Yeah, so number one is that reframing of when you are experiencing some stress, ask yourself, fight, flight, freeze, or pursue this challenge. We need fight or flight to push through at different cases, but we know how to, we have to get ourselves out of that, back into that rest and digest. Remember, obstacles make you stronger. And then number two is scheduling the renewal or recovery time that can be scheduling a time to get to bed. You know, because the correlation of the other study that I'll reference is why lack of sleep and stress is dramatically reducing, you know, our testosterone. It, I mean, it's shown if we, that lack of sleep, why we need to prioritize that. So by improving our fundamentals of the sleep and stress recovery, making sure you're eating enough, not eating enough can be a stress, moving too much can be a stress. Just taking inventory and seeing where you're at, fix those before going and looking just for like a, a Band-Aid. But we're here to answer any sort of questions, always be a resource. We appreciate you. I especially appreciate you. And until next time, this is the Manhood Experiment signing off. We out. <laughs> hey, what's up? This is Big Dreams. Thank you for checking out today's episode of the Manhood Experiment. If you like today's episode, please subscribe and give us five stars. Not only does your feedback matter, but it helps us to connect with others just like you that find value in our weekly episodes. So subscribe, share, and speak with your friends and family about today's episode. And most importantly, take care of yourself, keep growing, and join us again on the next episode of The Manhood Experiment. <laughs>